हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब हियर uh um so today i have with me abha bansal she is a dancer choreographer and educationist she has been trained under guru hiralal hasal ji and guru kundalal gangani ji and has been teaching dance at nopur for 40 years through her choreographic works she has addressed pertinent issues like female feticide adult education women empowerment and save the girl child abha ji how are you Hi Pramit so, yeah I'm good and thank you so much for having me over Absolutely I'm glad your daughter Neha connected us and I get to do this and so just to start off with since you've been teaching for 40 years could you tell us a little bit about like your journey and what are the changes you've seen and how kathak has been taught for these 40 years uh, Sure sure So <laughs> my journey has been uh not the very usual kinds uh nevertheless it's been as passionate as anybody else's um i started learning kathak very early in life my mother introduced me to it and very early i got the good fortune of training under guru hiralal hasal ji and um, i trained uh, under him as a as a kid but unfortunately uh, when i was about 13 14 years old i lost him and um, being in that very tender age and very impressionable age i kind of thought that i'm never going to dance again <laughs> but uh, however you know uh, kathak has a colleague for me and uh, very soon somebody uh, here in uh, gazebad said that since you learned so much you should not keep it to yourself and suddenly you know i um i remembered my guruji's uh, saying that uh, his guru used to tie the ghungrus the ankle bells with his feet and we couldn't open them with our hands and uh, when i asked him um then to show it to me how how he did it he said my guruji took away the the knowledge with him and that kind of um uh, uh I, i was wondering why didn't he teach somebody that and and i said okay whatever i have gained from my guru i have to distribute before i leave this world and so i started teaching very early in life uh when i went to college i went to katha kendra and i i was again very fortunate to train under guru kundanlal gangani ji and uh hence you know i i i kind of trained under very very eminent and very very uh, great gurus and i think i didn't realize the importance of that at that point of time but today i i feel very very blessed uh and then then i got married <laughs> and then you know uh a dancing bahu uh, is uh, you know a kind of uh, not very acceptable my performance took a back seat however it didn't take me away from kathak 
my mother in law was very supportive when i said i would like to teach little children in fact she only said that you must not sit idle you must at least teach so i got into education of dance and i i had my own studio i had my own students and by and by i got attached to various uh, k12 schools and that opened up a real uh, a totally different area for me and um, when i got into schools i realized and also when i i was growing up i realized schools are not teaching dance the way they should be to the students so so kathak or even the other classical dance forms uh, are being taught by gurus are being taught by uh, you know individually you have to go to a guru however uh, what i believe is that every child should be made aware of these very very rich traditions of india these classical dance forms these classical music forms you know they they should be at least introduced to every child in school that gave me an incentive to push towards the education of dance in schools and i started uh, writing curriculum i made modules i tried to get how to introduce classical dancing and classical music into the mainstream curriculum and with it i also developed a number of modules where we use dance and music and all the arts as pedagogy to teach the other subjects and that gave a whole new dimension to the arts and cbse is stressing upon uh, the integration of the arts into mainstream curriculums what i thought in my heart should be done is now being done in a very big way and uh, so so that kind of opens up a whole new this thing about one is the teaching of the art form the learning of dance and uh, one is uh, getting it into mainstream education so that everybody becomes an appreciator a rasik so we become performers when we go to a guru however there needs to be an audience there needs to be somebody who appreciates and appreciation can only come through awareness and this awareness can be created through you know uh, at least knowing our art forms and uh, becoming at least kansens instead of tansens so so that's that's my journey and for the last 40 years i've been kind of trying to balance uh both the areas of um, um teaching dance and uh, at the uh, at the guru level at the uh, uh, gurukul level uh that is in my own studio and teaching uh, and writing curriculum and training teachers as to how it should be done um in in schools for everybody else and uh, i think it's been very satisfying and uh, I haven't given up uh, performing little by little. I mean, I not uh, going into big stage shows, but uh, definitely uh, little lecture demonstrations here and there, little performances here and there, and with my own students, I share the stage many a time. And during lockdown, uh, <laughs> online, it's been quite a revelation for me. So uh, yeah, that's been my journey. Um, um yeah i love the kanchen line um that is amazing and yes lots to dig through there i guess to start off with you said uh, you talked about awareness and so 
at least from my perspective and maybe you can tell me more because i don't know that much yet so when it comes to appreciation for the arts you can like i feel like you appreciate the arts more when you learn it and when you're not learning it or when you're not tuned into it appreciating it becomes harder because you don't know what went into it and it's hard to understand what's going on so how what would you say or how would you cultivate awareness to patrons who may not be practicing it themselves absolutely you're absolutely right unless and until you try to learn it you can't appreciate it and that's why i feel at the school level at the primary level if the children are taught these art forms so then when they taste a little bit of it they kind of get curious most of them will be just tasting it and moving on but there might be some who want to take it up uh, further go deeper into it and then kind of that that kind of becomes uh, the the benchmark because once you are introduced to it next time you see a, a a dance recital or an art exhibition or a music concert you kind of listen to it with a new uh, uh, with new eyes so, uh, and ears of course so so that's what i feel that at the school level uh, there should be small modules which are taught to children uh, in all these art forms visual arts performing arts and uh, that will open up uh, new vistas for them that will create more rasics more consciousness more awareness okay so then for instance we're talking about primary school uh, so let's dig that dig a little deeper into that mm-hmm. so abaji uh, when you've been teaching primary school students so what has you found, what have you found works when it comes to imparting kathak education to them what kind of yeah what what helps them understand it more so of course you have to go into the basics you have to go into you know footwork tatkar hastak of course but you have to uh, you know a, a, a primary student may not uh, like it or may not get interested if you just kind of you know tell them to okay aise khade i mean stand like this move your hands like this there needs to be a story behind everything so it has to be a hands on module it has to be smaller modules they have to be interesting there should be stories so for example i'll i'll tell you for the very small kids um i always take up animals and uh, as in i i describe the animal and you know kids love animals and then i tell them okay tell me how does a snake walk how does uh, a deer jump how does Uh, a peacock walk so i mean we just kind of get get into it like a game but what i'm teaching them are the different chalas or the gatis that we perform in kathak um we have it all here we have the deer jumping we have the uh, sarp uh, uh, chal we have the the peacock the mayur uh, chal we have all these um, Uh, walks and gates and the way the, they behave the, the animals behave in fact uh, the primalu is uh, a, a, is a piece it's a small composition it's a toda which uh, is inspired by nature so kathak i feel is is very inspirational that way it it, it has everything it has storytelling it has uh, it has nature it has spirituality 
it's a, it's a complete art form and uh, it's very easy to um, uh, get children interested in kathak and and so also with all the other classical dance forms and art forms i feel it's it's easy but it's just that you need to get down to the level of the students and uh, for that we need dance educators um who may not be performers but but educators you know you may not be a great performer but you can be a great teacher and vice versa you may not be a great teacher but you may be a great performer so i feel there are two aspects to any uh, art form to teach and to perform so so yeah that's okay. yeah so then that brings me to my next question so since you teach at nupur which is your own studio and you're teaching mm -hmm. in schools as well mm -hmm. and since you're talking about and so what what would you say are the differences between teaching in your studio and teaching at schools like when you're talking yeah, about that yeah so when when i go to school and teach and there are 30 students in front of me not all of them might be interested in dance so my first challenge is to get them interested so uh so so that that takes a totally different perspective whereas when i teach in nupur uh students come to me so it's a given that they are interested in dance so i don't have to go down to that level i i i start teaching with the basics because i know that they've come to me because they are interested so that's the difference it's the perspective that is different okay so i guess the my next question is so since you're going to school i just realized this that you, and uh, you might be dealing with a larger number of boys than say at nupur would that be right absolutely yes okay so say uh, so say how what how what have you found the experience of teaching kathak to boys been like and do they take to the art form readily there is a social stigma attached to boys dancing classical dance especially in the middle and the upper middle class definitely you know boys are okay doing western or contemporary or hip hop and you know the more popular dances traditional dancing the dancing of the classical dances uh, there is a social hitch attached to it when i teach uh, in a school when when there are boys the first thing is get that hitch out of them so that is my first challenge with boys but once that is done boys readily take to it because when they realize there is no choice and then they have to then they get then they get going and then they start dancing and when they start dancing they start enjoying so <laughs> so yeah but of course when i teach in school i don't go very deep into it because it's more of an appreciation kind of a thing so it's not the very deep teaching that i do with my own students in nupur when i when i'm teaching at nupur it's like the deepest form of teaching students stay with me for years i have i have students who been with me for 6 years 8 years 10 years and uh, in fact a lot of them have come back to me during this lockdown because i've started taking online classes uh, that used to be a problem earlier girls used to get married and you know go off to other cities and somehow they couldn't keep in touch so the love of kathak uh, brings them back all the time when you engage with an art form for so long you kind of fall in love with it and um, so and one thing yeah. i just wanted to follow up on is you said you take the hitch out and mm -hmm. and i am very interested in this so how do mm -hmm. you take the hitch out 
so let me ask you pramit what took you to kathak um so i'm 28 and i'm a, so last year yeah so last year i i took i took to kathak because i'm at a point in life where i can just go out and do things and mm-hmm. i and i live fairly independently so mm-hmm. I, i found out my friend is doing kathak classes so i said hey can you ask your teacher if guys are allowed mm-hmm. so then uh she said yes and i went there so i mm-hmm. i went there on a whim so i wasn't mm-hmm. expecting to do anything i was just like being casual about it Mm-hmm. and then i put on my gongrus and i i think putting on my gongrus and realizing i can make sounds mm-hmm. was really cool even mm-hmm. as an adult and the second thing was my teacher was bengali and i she she made me feel really welcome and i really liked the environment so mm-hmm. i ended up sticking around so mm-hmm. that's just how i started so so that's exactly how what we try to do so you went on a whim but these kids in class they they really don't want to do, go into a classical dance class right but when they are there and they try to make a lot of um, I, i mean they really do try to cook up a lot of excuses but then finally they realize ki mm-hmm. it's not going to work out they'll have to get into it so then slowly when they they have to indulge in dancing then they also realize ki okay uh, it's it's not too bad okay tying the ghungrus is not a bad idea you can make sounds and then creating different stories around it and of course getting into uh, you know a whole lot of explanations giving them the freedom to experiment with the um, with bhav with abhinay with technicalities the pirouettes the footwork it all kind of uh, takes to them and most of them do get interested and of course i want uh, i'll be very honest a lot of them just can't wait to get out of it so but that's fine too because they really just need to engage with it and next year they can just pick up another activity but the, the idea is to engage with an activity to know what it is to be introduced to it and that's what i firmly believe that uh, at school level you can do it because students are there Okay. and you can introduce them to it but once they grow up they will always have this memory of uh okay how beautiful this dance form is and how they can uh, you know engage with it okay and uh, so that is my so my next question is like so say for your for the for the kids you have in school um <laughs> and what what would you say are uh, like over the course of, One second, mm-hmm. stop here because there's a sound again. Yeah. Sorry, there so, was a sound, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all good. We'll cut it because this is we'll cut that out. So, uh, what I was saying is, over the course of this time, when you're teaching uh, primary school students and they're going to middle and high school, mm-hmm. uh, what is, what does their progression look like? Since they're not in like a dedicated Kathak school, so what mm-hmm. are the things that they can pick up one year versus the next year, and what 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 is added to their repertoire? Okay so I'll briefly I I mean this is a topic that I can go on and on and on about but oh, I'll very do, briefly please do this is a this is, a, this is an hour long plus podcast this is the place to go on on about Okay so very briefly I'll tell you the the module that uh, I have kind of designed is that when they are in lower primary grades 1 and 2 I've designed very small modules um say say they engage with uh, dancing for two months then they engage with uh, music for two months 
Then they engage with visual art for two months. So and theater for two months. So that kind of takes care of almost the whole year, uh, taking care of the holidays and everything. So eight months mm -hmm. of uh, uh, divided. Uh, um, you know, you, you go to one, then you go to the other, then you go. To, so it's like kind of tasting. They taste right. all, all the art forms. So they are doing a little bit of dancing, a little bit of music, a little bit of. And this is apart from their regular uh, curriculum. And mm -hmm. all these modules are classical based. Uh, no Bollywood dancing, no popular dancing, because that they anyways do. So these are little, little modules that they, they kind of taste and they move on because and, and more than two, two and a half months of one kind of activity, they kind of lose interest. Then when they come to school the next year, also it happens. So, so in grade one and two, they kind of just taste all these art forms. In grades three to five, they're allowed to choose out of um, these four activities. So they, they could choose classical dancing, they could choose classical uh, music, they could. And once they are in a particular area, for example, if they are in uh, music, then for a whole year, they will be doing folk music, uh, which is the traditional folk, folk music, then classical music and classical also if there is access to Carnatic music and Hindustani classical music and instrumental music and vocal music. So they engage with that and and if it is dancing then they whatever classical forms of dancing we can provide them with it could be kathak it could be bharatanatyam it could be kuchipuri it could be manipuri any kind i mean whatever is available in that school and around so if we can expose them to all these art forms all these traditional classical dance forms and then when they come into the next class they're allowed to choose a particular uh, a classical dance form say suppose uh, uh, then a child kind of wants to engage with kathak and then follows a whole year of kathak and if the child so wants the child should be able to choose uh, to give exams to uh, give stage performances and to kind of totally engage with the art form so that's the kind of module that we've designed uh, in schools and I think it's been pretty successful uh, wherever this module is working because it kind of makes uh, every child aware of the art forms because once the child starts performing, the rest of the school is watching. So a child who is engaging with uh, music or visual art is also watching Kathak, right? When right. a child is performing. So I think okay. it's a great um, uh, idea to kind of educate our younger generation to the traditional arts okay. and yeah. And so follow up on this, so since you've said it's been successful, I'd love to know about this. So, so since you've been working so hard with schools and it, I don't, doesn't seem like it's been easy for you. So no, tell us about your success. Tell us about the success. Tell us about the reception it has and what joy has brought you. I'd love to hear about so, that. So yeah, I mean, the very fact that, uh, so I was working with the um, Shivnada schools designing their curriculum once their school came up. I, I worked with a couple of schools here in Ghazibad. I worked with Gantry School. I mean, there are a number of schools here in my neighborhood in Ghazibad, in Noida, in Faridabad, in, um, you know. So, um, so, so the success is when, you know, these kids who are coming up from grade one and they go up 
and they start performing and a couple of them they take to it as a as a full time engagement they start performing on stage and you know and when when you see them performing somewhere and then you realize oh my goodness uh maybe or maybe not they 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 might have reached here uh on their own also but somehow i like to feel that that initial initiation into the arts was done by the school um it really gives you a very nice and and when the whole school is having you know an an uh, art day a, a demonstration day it kind of feels so good because there are so many appreciators there are so many rasiks and if you teach a, a child to enjoy an art form i feel you teach the whole family to enjoy it because if the child is performing the parents are sure to be watching so so i feel that um, whole families are being you know uh, initiated into the arts awesome awesome i'm glad to hear that and so i guess that brings me to my kind of next topic is we talked about the students and the parents i guess and the and the other equation when you're talking about school is teachers and mm-hmm. you talked about training teachers as well so could you tell us about that yeah so um yeah so so when i said that uh, the uh, the performer and the educator they have two different roles you uh, you have to don two different hats for these uh, so under the the traditional way of learning when you're learning under a guru you really go very deep into the art form and you're you you are uh, learning to be a performer basically and uh, i mean you go into the deepest nuances and everything but when you are teaching a child the child is really not bothered how big an artist you are or how big a performer you are the teacher has to go down to the level of the student to engage with the student and the the people who uh, sign up for teaching classical dance of course have learned under most of them have learned under the guru shishya parampara and uh, so when i talk of teacher training all that we do is we kind of make the person aware that if you want to teach a 6 year old or a 7 year old you really have to go down to that child and when you learn in the guru shishya parampara there is no concept of time you go to a guru and you you sit with your guru for hours and hours and hours like when i take my class at nupur i my students they kind of i have to tell them look it's getting dark you go back home but in a school you have a 40 minute period and that also while the i mean the child comes to your dance class and you and the child leaves the dance class and goes back to his or her class so you're left with just 30 minutes and a classical dance training in 30 minutes is a challenge so you have to learn to break down your lesson into small very very small modules and i think during teacher training we are just kind of telling the teachers how to do that we're not telling what to teach we are telling how to teach because what to teach is there with the teachers they are very uh, capable of knowing what to teach because they are all trained under great gurus but how to teach is something that uh, 
we need to kind of uh, tell them so that they can improvise and break down their modules into small, very interesting age appropriate modules. Okay. And when you said, could you give us an example about how, like a how to teach? Okay. So, so for example, uh, when you're learning under the traditional parampara, uh, a guru will probably give you a car and that is footwork and will keep training you in that footwork and you go on and on and on, on and on and on. Like my guru, he used to say, Ki, you keep doing the footwork till you have a ring of sweat all around you. You keep doing it. Now, if you okay. tell a six-year-old that you have to do that, the child will run away. He <laughs> will, will not even come to school the next day. I will also <laughs> run away. I'm 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that used to be, I like my Guruji used to tell me, ki, uh, you know, the initially uh, he used to say, my Guruji used to tie my choti, my hair, to a, a to a nail in the wall. Oh, and, yeah, and till, till the uh, sweat ring was formed, he used to keep mm. doing the tatkar. So he was not even allowed to, you know, sit down. And the, the hair used to keep him in place. <laughs> that so used to be the riyas at that point of time. So how long were these sessions? So they went on and on and on. Okay, so like, and, okay, you said there I'm, talking, I'm talking of the Guru Shishya Parampara, where the, I understand, yeah. Oh, yeah, where the student used to stay with the Guru, learn mm -hmm. with the Guru. But today things have changed. I mean, today, right. today students come to you for a particular amount of time. They, it, you know, the classes are half an hour classes, one hour classes, two hour classes. For the very senior students, you might have a half day class, but that's about it. Then the student goes back home. So it's no longer that way. And in schools, it's even shorter. So your period is like a 30-minute period. And probably mm -hmm. you get uh, one period a week. Or if you're very lucky, you get two periods in a week. And that's about it. So, okay. so, so the how to teach becomes different than in schools and in your own studio. Understood. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that story. Uh, uh, that's really interesting. The the needing the hair, the choti on the wall. It's, it's, I've heard about it, but you're the first person who's told me. No, I haven't done it, but my Guruji oh. has done it. I yeah, yeah I, understood, to, I understood. used to talk about it because yeah. I know that as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, when I was learning under him, I would yes. have run away if I, I mean, he would have made me do that. <laughs> right. But I do remember okay. for a whole month, I did nothing but tati theta, tati theta, tati theta, tati theta, tati theta. Right. I mean, it was like, yeah, I mean, and we were not allowed to get bored and we were not allowed to, you know, say anything. Interesting. I don't want to do this. <laughs> okay. So I guess that brings me to my next question um, is that, so, but the, in the sense like so you were trained a certain way and you picked up a lot of things and you know you owe a lot to your gurus and i assume your teaching practice is not exactly this like you've given an example it's not exactly the same so i would uh, so my question is like what are the things that you've uh so, so based on the foundations that your gurus laid what are the things you've added to your teaching practice like just to uh because of your environment Okay, so that's a great question, Pramit. And uh, I think uh, I 
I've been teaching for 40 years, like I told you. But even in these 40 years, my teaching has evolved and it's evolving even today. So why I say this is 40 years ago, uh, when I started teaching, I was I was a young, young girl. Uh, and whoever came to me to learn had no issues about, you know, uh, they, I, I feel they were more regular and there were no pressures. I wouldn't say no pressures, but less pressures of study. Over the years, what I felt is uh, students uh, are being pressurized under the education system. Uh, there were no tuitions at that point of time, uh, no coaching classes, and no career-oriented classes like uh, grades 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. The senior classes in school nowadays are totally, totally focused towards entrance exams. And it becomes very difficult for uh, students to take out time for dance classes, for music classes, for riyas. Uh, I've seen it with my own daughter. I mean, uh, as, as a student, when she came into uh, grades 9, 10, 11, 12, she had her own coaching classes. She's a, she's a doctor. She's a pediatric cardiologist. And I know during that time when she was preparing for the entrance exams, uh, I also made her fill up forms for uh, Prayag Sangeet Samiti exams in Kathak and in music. And she really, really had a tough time. And I can totally identify with students when they say that it's very difficult. I can't juggle dance and coaching and studies and, you know. So it does become difficult. 40 years ago, there were no coaching classes. There were uh, no pressures. There were no, uh, I mean, there were entrance exams. Uh, but I guess the pressure was lesser than this time. And uh, students used to come even when they were in grades 9, 10, 11, 12. But now uh, a lot of students drop uh, art classes or dance classes uh, once they reach middle school because pressures start mounting up. So if uh, 10 students are signing up in primary, uh, and like when they are like eight years or nine years old, I, I don't teach students below eight years. I don't enroll students below eight years in my Kathak class. Uh, but once they reach 13, 14 years, uh, about half of them, they just drop out saying key study pressures are increasing. So that's a difference that I've seen. So my teaching has also evolved in the sense that I've kind of... Um, uh, the, the content has changed slightly. So students who stay back, who are really, really driven and who come back to me uh, in spite of their studies, I would say, uh, they, they, they also have less time. So, so the long hours of Riyaz have gone out and smaller modules have come in. I think that is what has really, really evolved over the years even in my own Nupur classes. I mean, I'm not talking of school classes, but even in the classes that I take in my own studio, the modules have become smaller. 
and um, how it has evolved over the years like we have taken the help of technology uh, more and more students are recording the the bowls rather than uh, you know uh, learning them then and there so it saves time they can go back and while they are traveling they can listen to the recording they can um, uh, speak the bowls they can you know master the padhant uh, and um, uh, instead of writing their notes they take pictures they 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 kind of click pictures of whatever uh, the bowls and they can you know kind of refer to them from their phones or their computers so that has changed and the biggest change that has happened has been in the last 6 months so um, this lockdown has uh, helped me uh rather forced me to start online classes and suddenly it has opened a whole new vista of uh, reaching out to students who were earlier not accessible uh of course it's it's not exactly the same as having a face to face class and i'm totally totally looking forward to having my students back in my studio but um uh, i think this is going to stay in a manner that uh this can produce more rasics this can produce more appreciation students who are sitting on the fence and they want to do uh they want to know more about kathak but they don't want to spend too much time on it um uh, i think that that um uh, those those students are going to increase with this online module of teaching uh those who want to really really go deep into it will have to do face to face classes because it's not the same definitely it's not the same so the performers will find ways to find their gurus and stay with their gurus but i think more and more people will engage with uh, the classical art forms through online classes because it's easier it's more comfortable and believe you me i mean it's it's not too bad i mean initially i thought i can't do it i mean come on dance and online it can't be done but believe you me it can be done we will find ways to do it and we have evolved and we 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 found found um a lot of techniques i'm learning i'm still learning and uh, it's a great way to do it i i really feel so Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about since you talked about online teaching and it's opened up avenues? Can you give us some anecdotes as to what it has opened up previously that wasn't available before? So the the, the first thing is that uh, students who are far away and have no access to a guru in their city or in their area can uh, engage with a guru of their choice. That's the first thing. Uh, uh, then of course uh, the traveling time goes to zero uh, because sometimes students really travel from afar i have i i have a couple of students who travel as much as 45 minutes or so to come here and 45 minutes to go back so all that time is saved and uh, i mean uh, going ahead i'm sure we can do a mixed module that uh, a lot of things can be done online you don't really need to meet face to face riyas like tarkar footwork uh, hasta tode tukde paran of course we can do all that online it's just like 
when you're uh, the only requirement is that you have to have a good device where you kind of see each other clearly hear each other clearly um and then if we can have like a once a week or a once a fortnight class face to face and to support that we have four classes online i think that would be a great uh, blend of classes it'll save a lot of time it'll save a lot of energy it'll probably it will uh, create uh, more uh, receptivity amongst people to uh, join more classes like this that's what i think okay. i hope i hope it happens like that and have you been doing like say any uh, outside of your regular classes have you been doing work, any workshops just to open up to people Absolutely. outside of us yes yes in fact recently i did a workshop on um, katha uh, uh, the the storytelling technique in katha because kathak yeah that's that's another thing kathak started off as a storytelling technique katha sahi kahe so kathak kehlai maharaj ji bhi aksar is i mean a lot of times maharaj ji also says these words and my guru ji also used to say this katha kahe so kathak kehlai that means katha katha is a hindi word for storytelling uh, stories so the person who tells a story is called the kathak and kathak is a short form for kathakar kathakar is the actually the the, the word the uh, hindi word for the storyteller and long long time ago uh, people used to dance and and emote and enact stories from mythology and they used to come out into the villages the chopals the temple areas anywhere and they just used to carry their instruments tie them up to their waist and uh, you know tell stories about uh, gods and goddesses at that point of time for example the ramlila the ramlila uh, is, is a story about the ramayana so similarly all kinds of stories from uh, the shiv uh puran or stories from uh, the life of krishna were a favorite and these kathakars used to go around the villages and towns and cities and everywhere and they used to tell stories uh with music with acting and slowly this developed into the dance form of kathak the way we see it today and of course it's gone through a whole lot of evolutions the gharana system the the uh, i mean the development under the mughal rulers the nawabs of awadh and the jaipur gharana under the uh, the kings at that time so so i i am very passionate about the storytelling technique in kathak of course kathak is known for its pirouettes and for its footwork but storytelling ha has been a very important aspect of kathak uh, and the kavit and the gat bhav are the two um, techniques in kathak which relate to the storytelling technique so very recently i <laughs> i did a workshop on the storytelling technique in uh, kathak where i took the story of govardhan dharan and i did it online and i had uh, students from india students from the us east coast west coast and it was uh, really quite an amazing experience for me because earlier i was taking workshops uh, face to face this was my first 
online uh, workshop that I did. It was a two and a half, three hour workshop. So it was very, very interesting. Yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was really interesting. And I look forward to doing more of these uh, workshops. I have a couple of workshops lined up in December. And um, you're going to do in those workshops. Could you tell us in the December you? workshops? So what's going to happen in the December workshop? So December workshop is uh, there are two workshops lined up. I'm going to take up Abhinay. Uh, I haven't really decided on what aspect of Abhinay, but I'm going to talk of Abhinay uh, in totality. The four aspects of Abhinay, Angik, Vachik, Ahari and Sattvik. Uh, and um, supporting that, I'm probably going to take up a, a couple of Kavits and a Thumri uh, explaining the Navras uh, from Natya Shastra. So that's, is it like reciting a Kavit and Thumri or is it like performing to the performing Kavit? Performing also, performing also. Absolutely. It's, awesome. going to be a, it's, it's going to be a combination of... Uh, theory and practical. I'm going to talk about Abhinay and I'm going to make uh, my students perform uh, a Kavit and perform a Thumri also. So that... And are these... Sorry. Is yeah. this a series of... Sorry. Is this a series of workshops? They build upon the other or, or these are like single they, packages? They, they can become a series, but as of now, they are single standalone workshops. Okay. Uh, okay. One, one is going to be on Abhinay. The other one is going to be on the on uh, technique or and I'm okay. going to do a couple of parans. Yes. Uh, in, uh, in the technique technical aspect the nritta part I see. and would you say and for the workshops um mm -hmm. this i'm honestly just asking for myself yeah, yeah. but uh so uh how much since it's abhinay and i know abhinay usually requires dedicated training so how mm -hmm. many years of so pe for people who want to join this workshop how many years of training would you recommend they already have had done so for this workshop i uh the, the one that i already did I did not have any prerequisites except a person should have a little bit of knowledge about Kathak in the sense that you should have done about six months of Kathak. Right. That's it. But when I do my Paran, my Nritta workshop, I'm going to divide it into two. One is going to be age appropriate for students, not age appropriate as an age age, but a person who's done uh less than a year of kathak and then i'll have another batch which will be uh, a person who's done at least two years of kathak okay okay so. that's awesome and yeah um, I, you might see me on one of those because oh, that's it. exciting welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if, if the timing works out i might i, I might just get in touch with nihaji and just set that up wow. that's awesome so the so then we're talking about storytelling and I want to get into this a little bit. And since you talked about Govardhan and, you know, Krishna Radha is a very common theme in storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of my conversations I've had with Kathakar so far, mm -hmm. one of the common themes I've noticed is when it comes to Krishna Radha, there's certain themes that are kind of nowadays and like there's been more awareness about certain things that may not be appropriate to like the storytelling they're kind of uncomfortable with and they're kind of going away with in the sense like say Chirchar or just portraying Radha in, a, in just as like a submissive light mm -hmm. or just like just talking about mat, uh, just Matki and all that they want to be either like go away from it or explore deeper aspects of it so what do you think about the classical storytelling of Krishna Radha and how it's evolved and what is what are your opinions on it 
So I I don't know uh, how or why any storytelling might be uncomfortable. It's an interpretation. So uh, if you're talking of chhedchhar, the the ways of chhedchhar may have uh, changed. Uh, I mean, no longer girls carry matkas and no longer boys are trying to you know break the matki and. But chhedchhar still happens, and chhedchhar in a nice way. I mean, all these chhedchhars that uh, we talk about, Radha and Krishna, they were actually by mutual consent. There was never any, uh, you know. Uh, um, so I, I don't know why or how anybody would be uncomfortable about it. But uh, I feel that a person who's presenting a story. should be okay with it if a person presenting the story is convinced about the story you know uh, i might have a problem in speaking about the uh, the the fairy tale of rapunzel that rapunzel was uh, locked away in a tower for uh, 15 20 years that's uncomfortable for me right i might have a problem in reciting the story of ramayan why would ram leave uh, and go just because his stepmom was asking him to go why would he spend his 14 years in the forest why would he do that but look i am not saying that he was right or wrong all i'm doing is i'm telling you a story i'm not saying he was right i'm not saying he was wrong dancers talk about uh, okay so, uh, so Shobhana Narayan ji has always done this very beautiful piece on Yashodhara. Right? Yashodhara was the wife of uh, Gautam Buddh. And a lot of dancers and I have also touched upon Urmila, Urmila Sambhar because Urmila was the life of uh, the wife of uh, Lakshman. So when Lakshman went away to the forest, Urmila was left behind. Now a lot of uh, you know um, people might be uncomfortable about it and may feel very strongly about it that what was the fault of urmila or what was the fault of yashodhara that they were left behind right so i'm not saying what was right what was wrong but this is the story that we are presenting so it's up to you and and it's very nice if i can kind of cook up a storm in a teacup and if i can initiate a debate and if you can uh, talk about certain issues i'll be very happy about it if my story can cook up a storm so these are issues and also uh, various interpretations of a single story can be there for example i'll tell you kalya daman kalya daman is a very common story that is being told uh, by our artists our dancers and in every art form bharatanatyam or uh, kathak or kathakali or you know many dance forms talk about the kaliya daman uh, story of krishna now the story is that uh, the the yamuna was uh, the home to the kaliya nag and because the kaliya nag decided to come to uh, uh, the the village and uh, stay in the yamuna the yamuna Uh, became poisonous the yamuna became black and uh, krishna with his friends they were playing uh, with a ball on the banks of the river yamuna and the ball was thrown into the river by krishna 
and uh, then krishna jumps into the river on the pretext of getting the ball back and he fights the demon the serpent kanya and he comes out uh, victorious dancing on the, the the hood of the serpent and then he forces the serpent to go away and never come back and the yamuna was now clean and uh, the water was drinkable this is the story that is presented now if you if you want to interpret it which i have done a number of times with my students i say kalya nag is uh, is a serpent that denotes pollution and the river yamuna was polluted for whatever reason and krishna takes it upon his shoulders to get rid of the pollutants and he with his friends uh so it's a symbolic story that how krishna and his friends they got rid of the pollution and they cleaned the uh, the river yamuna and made it pure again so it's just an interpretation it's it's uh, it now this is a very modernistic environmental issue of today uh, which were, which can be dealt with the story by being very symbolic so i feel every story can have a different interpretation every story mm -hmm. can be presented in a different manner by the storyteller and it's up to the storyteller because the storyteller has the freedom to do that if i want to present my kalya daman in a in an environmental mm -hmm. issue why not right okay understood and yeah thanks for sharing your part um just makes sense that what you're saying is instead of just putting your opinion in it you're kind of you you you're telling a story and you have your own interpretation mm -hmm. and i guess next thing i wanted to come to since you're talking about storytelling and you mentioned in one of our earlier conversations that uh, the art of storytelling seems to be getting lost and because on social media we seem to be seeing a lot of fast food work and chuckers and that seems to be getting more views Mm -hmm. So just want to start talking about that a bit could you tell us a little bit more about it yeah so that that uh, is an issue which i have seen in the last so many years that kathak is being known more for its very fast uh, footwork and very intricate footwork and a lot of pirouettes of course that is that definitely is a very important aspect of kathak uh which uh none of the other classical dance forms have in so much of intricacy footwork and pirouettes are the usp of uh kathak but uh kathak is uh also about softer movements it's also about lasya it's also about storytelling it's also about uh the finer nuances the finer details uh we have learned the thart thart is the very uh, beginning part in very uh, in a very low tempo vilambit le and earlier on the the gurus the way they have taught us there used to be 20 minutes of thart where the dancer is using very small nuances the 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 eyebrow movement the wrist movement the very slight 
shoulder movement, the kasak, the masak, the gliding uh, of uh, the body, like you're walking on water. So all these nuances, they take time. But nowadays, uh, the social media, of course, uh, when you put something on uh, on Instagram, you are allowed only a minute. Otherwise, it goes into ITTV. So, you know, what can you do in a minute? So you kind of just perform the faster parts, the more catchy parts, uh, 27 chakras, uh, on one heel, you take three chakras, four chakras, and the very uh, charismatic and fast uh, things. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but somehow in this race, Abhine is taking a little backseat. I'm not saying lost totally, because there are a lot of people who are doing a lot of Abhine also. But somehow, because Abhine takes time, Abhine is not something that you can do, you know, uh, in a minute and you can just kind of get out of it. It takes time to kind of build it up. There is always a story that you need to build it up. And uh, the finer nuances, you need time. So some somehow in this two-minute Maggie Noodle era, uh, certain things are being, uh, you know, left out or taking a back seat. And not very many opportunities are coming up for that. And uh, Gat Bhau and... Uh, Gat Bhav is one of the things that is kind of getting, uh, I mean, it's taking a little back seat with some performances. Um, that is what I felt. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I can uh, promote that, if I can right. uh, do something for that, uh, that is one of the things that I've noticed, yeah. Okay, and since uh, I guess this one might is interesting to me, since you're from the Jaipur Gharana, mm -hmm. and uh, I was talking to Ishani Sathya, and she told me uh, a common misconception of Jaipur, Jaipur Gharana is just fast, it's just fast footwork and chakras. So, so I wanted to ask, yeah, because she's from the Jaipur Gharana, and she was telling me that this is a common misconception. Yeah, yeah. And could you tell me? Uh, so I wanted to like go a little deeper into the Abhinay aspects of the Jaipur Gharana. Yeah. Could you tell me a little? Tell us a little so, bit about so Abhinay. Answering your uh, query, yes, you are right. Yeah. And people consider, people sometimes say that Jaipur Gharana is all about fast chakras and footwork and. Uh, uh, Lucknow Gharana is more delicate and more rounded movements and more lasir. So uh, I would say that there is a difference in style, definitely, but there is a reason for it. So, so first, the Gharana system. Uh, the Jaipur Gharana was under the patronage of the Rajputs, and the Lucknow Gharana was under the patronage of the Nawabs. Now, the Nawabs had a certain, uh, certain, you know, the, even the costumes are different for the two gharanas, which were affected by the, you know, by the by the patronization. Like the the salami came into being in the uh, Lucknow gharana, the angarkha, the costume, the, the way it is, and the last movement, the the like. For example, I'll give you dha takathunga, is a is a paran is a paranavar which is done by both the Jaipur Gharana and the Lucknow Gharana. So for the Nawabs, there was a lot of last year that was developed because they were 
the you know that was the style that was uh, uh, that was liked by the nawabs they were you know jise kehte hain ki the luck the nazakat of lucknow kind of uh, molded the art forms also and the the veeras of the rajput kings because the rajput kings were warrior kings and uh, the 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 veeras was more prominent in the in the arts of the uh, uh, all the arts that the rajput kings were uh, patronizing because when the dancer came in if she did uh, uh, some or some intricate footwork the kings were more pleased in the lucknow gharana if the dancer came in with the last movement and did a very uh, erotic uh, salam the, the kings were you know the impressed more and the dancer would get more inam from the from the king so so by and by very slowly the styles evolved and um, so the lasya ang was more developed in the lucknow gharana and the veeras or the uh, i wouldn't say pure tandav but yeah every every uh, dance has a tandav ang and a lasya ang so that got more uh, the chamatkari ang got more developed in the uh, jaipur gharana so and i don't feel that is Uh, anyway it makes it lacking for any of the two gharanas and now after after independence so why the gharanas were formed was when the when the britishers came they banned dancing they banned i mean they they kind of uh, uh, branded the dancing girls as notch girls and there was a lot of that was the really black time for the dancers of india and that time the gurus came forward and patronage was offered by you know the the kings or the uh, the rich people and people used to dance in hiding the the shishyas used to stay with the gurus and the gurus offered uh, their homes they opened up their homes and uh, that's how dance survived otherwise dance would have been wiped out because of the political conditions in india at that time so the gharanas and the kings and the you know they they kind of just saved and the uh, and the tawayas and you know all these all these areas that were looked down upon these are the places that saved the tradition of classical dancing at that point of time so uh, going to the kind of patronage that the dancers got those particular areas became more developed however that doesn't mean that the other areas were not there so um take, taking um, from where you said that jaipur gharana is not about lasya movements no probably it's more um, uh, defined in a certain gharana and less defined in another gharana so the so abaji uh, thank you for telling us the historical reason behind why the perception is the way it is and that was really interesting and i'm sure people will love hearing that and i guess my next question is about doing abhinay now so now that 
you've had this observation that I mean, like people are more drawn to fast footwork and chakras and it's almost like the Rajasthani court again where they kind of incentivize that more in a way our audience now is incentivizing that again so if you want to tell up you want to teach Abhinay or you want to spread the message of Abhinay to our audience today mm-hmm. what how how do you do how do you do that and like kind of navigate through this whole traffic and try to get that attention okay so so abhinay has not gone out of the window as i said it's still right. there and mm-hmm. at the end of any performance like the the structured performance that of a of a kathak uh, dancer towards the end of it there is always a small piece of abhinay in the form of a thumri or a gathav so normally people are choosing thumris over gathav but gathav is uh getting less of a uh, less of an audience um i don't know i may be wrong or i may be right but i see less of it uh when i when i go to performances and when i see performances online and i very strongly feel that this is one aspect of abhinay which is very typical of kathak uh as much as a kavit is a very typical form of kathak uh, and in this uh, gathbhav technique the the dancer on stage dons many many uh, roles for example when uh, you are doing a radha krishna ki chhedchhad so one minute you are radha and you take a palta and the other minute you are a krishna and again you get back so so there is a whole conversation between radha and krishna done by the single dancer and if there are five different characters the dancer dons five different roles one after the other and the whole story is being told on the stage by a single dancer that that's a very typical uh, technique in kathak whether it is the jaipur gharana whether it is the lucknow gharana it really doesn't matter so so that aspect of uh, kathak i feel is the one that is being neglected a little bit nowadays which i feel should be uh, done more often uh, and actually it's very interesting when i teach it to my students it's it's really interesting for them and also it can be used to tell any kind of a story whether it is a mythological story or uh, it's it's a story of modern times it's a contemporary story it's you know you it, it's a storytelling technique and can be used by the dancer in many many ways so i feel more work should be done to explore this this technique and uh, should be made use of by the dancers to improvise to tell different kinds of stories that the audience wants to hear so that probably is going to be one of my uh, and in my own performances i always definitely do one gathbhav definitely so that's uh, okay. that's about gathbhav yeah okay and uh, so when you do the gathbhav and all that gathbhav and the work and the workshops what have you found the reception has been so far of late so yeah so whenever i do a workshop on abhinay uh-huh. i always touch upon uh, the gathbhav aspect and the kavit aspect and the thumri aspect so all these are tools 
uh, that dancers use for abhinay in kathak mm-hmm. and uh, i feel that all all of them have their own place and it's always been taken in a very positive manner by my students whenever i do a workshop on abhinay okay and in terms of like abhinay's storytelling what would be your favorite story that you love telling through kathak <laughs> it, it, it depends on my mood <laughs> okay so, so whatever is the present context okay uh, i love to do that but yes okay. if you look at uh, kathak as a repertoire or all the art forms mm-hmm. uh, and see all the art forms touch upon mythology right mm-hmm. take from mythology and uh, out of all the stories out of all the gods and goddesses i think krishna has been a universal favorite with all the art forms because right. uh, krishna has been the naughty one krishna has all the rasa uh, mm-hmm. different different moods and uh, the shringar ras has been brought out very beautifully by krishna rather than all the other gods and goddesses so okay. uh, that's that's why i feel uh, krishna has been a favorite with all the uh, art forms of okay. the depiction of the ras yeah understood and or oh, just to shift gears a bit since you're in ghaziabad can you give us some insights as to what kathak is like in your in in, in ghaziabad and the area surrounding the scene there everything uh okay so just the way dance has evolved i think ghaziabad has also evolved uh mm-hmm. when i started learning kathak uh, uh how many years has it been now like almost 45 50 years ago So initially when I was a kid and my mother uh, enrolled me for Kathak there weren't very many teachers there weren't very many schools in fact there was mm-hmm. hardly any places where you could go to learn and that's when uh, my my I I found my guruji uh, who had just you know who who was in Delhi he used to come from Delhi and uh, uh, I mean it wasn't uh, very easy to get him to come from delhi so i i right. don't parents just kind of organized everything and at that point of time a lot of people uh used to raise their eyebrows at my dancing so in fact quite a few people you know one or two also asked directly uh ki why what is your need why are you teaching your little girl to dance what is your need i mean it was a weird question but yeah, uh, yeah so but fighting all odds because it was really looked down upon at that time you know learning how to dance or learning how to sing had a totally different connotation and ghaziabad was a very small town interesting interesting yeah ghaziabad was a very very small town it wasn't even a district it was a small town at that point of time and people used to talk you know the the way but i would give full marks to my uh, parents and to uh, you know the way they supported and the way they uh, kind of let me dance and uh, so so i i mean i owe it all to my uh, parents and my mother who was totally spearheaded ki no this is something that my girl should learn whether she takes it up or not later that's that's a different issue but yeah everybody should learn how to sing everybody should learn how to dance 
So uh, from that point of time till today in Ghazibad, I would say that uh, things are so different. There are many, many options, all kinds of dance forms. You will find a Kathak teacher in every mohalla, in every gali, in every uh, you know area. And parents are more forthcoming. They want their children to dance. And I think I also give the credit to media. There are these reality dance shows. There are dances looked upon as more of a, a respectable thing nowadays and classical dancing more so. So I think 40 years uh, has made a lot of difference. Uh, media, uh, communication, uh, all that has made a difference and there are many many more teachers there are many many more students and a lot of stage shows are being done so i think the future is very very bright and organizations like swing mckay uh, are also doing a lot of good work in spreading the message in schools and colleges and more and more young uh, children are getting interested in the classical arts so I, I see a very positive future for the classical arts. Yes. Awesome. And I guess that kind of brings me to my last question in the terms of future. And since you've been doing this for 40 years, and there's a question I ask pretty much, like I ask a lot of Kathakas across different mm -hmm. like areas in the sense of legacy, since you've had so many experience, so many students go on pass under you. Mm -hmm. uh, so what would you want your impact to be in the world of Kathak? Um, see, I am very small to make an impact to the world of Kathak. I right. am very fortunate to be part of the world of Kathak. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, my legacy forward would be that whatever I have gained, Mm -hmm. from my gurus right must be passed on before i leave this earth okay and um, i just hope i can uh, produce more people who are in love with kathak in okay. love with dancing mm -hmm. uh, and who would further uh, you know propagate and further become teachers and further give away this knowledge because the more you give away the more it flourishes that's what i wow. feel and um i just pray to god till my mm -hmm. dying day i should be dancing i mean i just right. pray to god i should be i i should go dancing gotcha uh, that's that's my prayer to god uh, and i i just feel that a person who dances Mm -hmm. And a person who is in love with uh, the arts, any form of art, dance, music, can never get a bad thought in the mind, can mm -hmm. never feel negative in life, can never feel depressed in life. So all this strife in the world, I feel that uh, I always say Osama bin Laden was taught how to dance or right. how to sing. Uh -huh. he, he wouldn't be the character that he was or you know <laughs> okay. and all the people who have so much of negativity in their hearts would all go away if uh, uh, if only they could learn how to sing and dance okay got you and that kind of brings me to the end of this episode Abhaji, um 
really really happy that we made this happen so soon i just talked to you That's yesterday so and here we are finishing up your interview uh, thanks for sharing your perspective thanks for being in this world of kathak giving back so much and sharing all your knowledge with us today thanks let, me, let me put it on record pramit you're doing really really good work i mean it's uh, i think the world is blessed to have people like you and i i mean thank you so much for having me over on this beautiful thing that you're doing where we can actually share from the deepest corners of our heart and um, i just hope that uh, we can make a difference to this world just by you know talking about the most beautiful thing on this earth that is dance thank you so much pramit for having me and thank you uh, the kathak podcast